Best of Times Radio Hour, live on 1017 FM and 710 Keel, a show dedicated to seniors and boomers in Northwest Louisiana. Here's your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I thank you for tuning in to our show today, but also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to share some very little-known trivia that you might want to share with your family and friends during your New Year's Day gatherings. Hope you'll learn some new trivia and, and uh, that you are not aware of. It is Saturday, December the 30th, and yes, we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel at Town Square Media Station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the January-February 2024 issue of The Best of Times at our 270 distribution locations on about January the 2nd. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Uh, If you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our locations, remember you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues. For the past four years, uh, there was a historical archive of all these issues shown on our website. In addition, you can view the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, and you can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. want to hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas holiday with family and friends. I'm sure there was a lot of great eating and great singing of carols and enjoying yourself with family and friends. The Caligas has had a wonderful time, as we, as we have most every, each and every year. It was wonderful. Uh, it was good to have all the all the family, all the grandkids, all surprised of all their gifts and putting all those gifts together sometimes afterwards. It, that's a challenge, especially for me being a little bit older now. So luckily their parents uh, do do some of that assembling, but sometimes they ask Grandpa here to, to assemble them, and, they, and I like to play with some of the toys with, the, with my grandkids after they... Uh, put them together as well. So again, we're, we're thankful about that. Um, and we're looking forward to you having a wonderful New Year's Day, safe and to bring in the new year of 2024. Remarkable, 2024. Yes, uh, hopefully it'll be a safe and happy one and inspiring one, and you'll have another great year in the year 2024. We are working on our 22nd edition of Silver Pages. That will be our 2024 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Of course, it's our most popular publication and resource guide for seniors and boomers and their family members and others throughout the Northwest Louisiana area. Contains over 4,000 listings of names, contact numbers, websites of businesses, 
organizations, and agencies who can provide you with products, services, and, of course, valuable information to both seniors and boomers and their family members in the area. This guide will be released on or about March the 1st of 2024. Of course, you can view the current one, the 2023 edition, on our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. You can also view it on our app. And I, I, I failed to mention, we do have a fantastic app for the best of times, and several people have told me that they have viewed our magazine. They get an update from our app, um, and as well as they get an update whenever we, uh, when they want to view our silver pages, which both of those particular publications are on a free app that doesn't cost you anything to uh, to subscribe and, and obtain. Speaking of subscriptions, each uh, and every month, the best of times sends out a TBT newsletter. It's electronically sent out to email addresses uh, throughout the Arklatex. We have over several thousands of people that have subscribed. It's free to subscribe. The only thing you have to do is visit our website at www.thebestoftimesdues.com and you'll see it on the on the left corner of that on that home page where you just enter your email address and it automatically puts it into the system and once we send out another um, email uh, newsletter, TBT newsletter which contains lots of Additional information that's not included in our magazine or on our website. It includes a lot of uh, reference information and places to go. It includes discounts. It includes uh, a contest. And we love that all these all our readers of this email love to submit their names to be entered into our contest. And we give away um, several prizes. So again. Uh, feel free to register. It's no, there's no charge. Visit our website, thebestoftimesnews.com, and register for the TBT newsletter. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers, and in country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. The Best of Times Radio Hour will be right back on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. And now back to the Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebers, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I thank you for taking time to listen to our show today. Today, as I've done for many, many years, I think we've done this about at least 23 years. We've done it about 23 times. Uh, I love to share interesting trivia. Everybody's getting attached to trivia and information. I mean, you watch all these game shows on television and via the Internet and via uh, uh, displays at various restaurants. There's trivia galore out there, and there's a lot of great information and some remarkable trivia that that uh, people are not aware of, and sometimes people forget. I mean, we, we our minds and our brains probably receive a lot of that information, but we don't store it. But if you keep repeating it, you, you tend to read it more. So some of these trivia have been, uh, in the past have been provided by readers, my radio listeners, and others. And, and uh, today I've decided to do something different. I've decided to provide you with information and trivia about two interesting countries that I've fathomed that many of you have never, never visited. 
And uh, if you have, you're fortunate enough. Tina and I had it on our bucket list for probably 10 years. And we attempted several times, but things got canceled, be a, not our fault, be the cruise cruise lines, as well as uh, other tour directors, et cetera, and conflicts, it's, and it's so-and-so. So, you know, after 10 tries, uh, this year was fortunate that we got to go to eat both Egypt and Jordan during the first weeks of uh, October. So we were there between October 1st and October 23rd, uh, visiting the country of Egypt in Africa and Jordan in the Middle East, the, the country of Jordan. Uh, so, you know, it was a unique opportunity for us. We learned a lot. That was a fast, both fascinating countries. And uh, uh, you, uh, what I'm going to tell you today is what some of our guides gave us uh, of information. They were remarkable in both countries. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, we were a little bit nervous about going. You definitely don't know what to expect. Uh, you can read about a lot of it on, on, on the Internet, but sometimes you get a little concerned uh, about what they say and what they don't say, the negative and positive comments. But everything was positive. Uh, we went with, we went with uh, a tour group. I'll mention the tour group to give them a little plug here. Avalon uh, Tours. Uh, there are Avalon uh, waterways. They do tours uh, as well as they have ships throughout the world and do waterway tours and and uh, et cetera, et cetera, in Europe, in Asia, et cetera. Uh, they don't have their own ships in Egypt, but they contract with other ships to go along the Nile River, which Tina and I had the fortune enough to, to spend almost three weeks there. So we did get to cruise on the River Nile for seven days, which was totally remarkable. So it's the, the, both countries are, are rich in history and culture and, 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 and span for over thousands of years, including, of course, we're, talk, we're going to talk about Egypt first. I mean, their structures still standing today, they're over 5,000 years old. That's a long time ago. I mean, more than 5,000, probably seven to 8,000. Uh, if you consider that they date back to 4,000 before B.C., so that's, you know, 7,000 years. And some of them are in remarkable, remarkable order. That was fascinating to us. I mean, you see it in the pictures, but when you get there up close and personal, it's an awe. It's, it's like, Wow. Uh, and luckily we came that there weren't many uh, people, uh, visitors. Uh, tourism is a big thing in Egypt. Um, they have hundreds and hundreds of tour companies and hundreds and probably thousands and thousands of people work for uh, the tour guides. And our guides, both of our guides that we had both in uh, stayed with us both in, in, in Egypt and another one in, in Jordan were totally remarkable. They knew a lot about the history. They knew a lot about the sites. And I'm sure they've been there, done that a few times. Uh, but they they loved when the uh, attendees and visitors with our little small group, we're in a very small group, uh, asked questions. And if you all know, Gary's great at interviewing. He loved to interview uh, all these individuals. And I occasionally went off the beaten path, interviewed local people there, which were, which was another fascinating thing. Uh, they cautioned me about doing that, but uh, um, a lot of people were quite receptive. And, uh, of course, I told them I was from the you know, wonderful USA. Some of them loved that. Some of them did, did have a little few negative comments, but otherwise it was, it was very positive. And I learned a lot from those individuals. So 
I'm going to start off. There were seven wonders of the ancient world, but which one was the only one of all those uh, seven wonders back in the ancient world that had a ceremonial vault, burial vault? Can you think of that? There's seven in the world. Well, the only one is in Egypt, the Great Pyramid of Giza. It's right outside of Cairo. That was the other thing I found out fascinating the, the the Pyramid of Giza, Giza is a, like a suburb of Cairo, very close. I mean, within less than, uh, they go kilometers, but I would say less than th- less than 15 miles away from the downtown area, and that's why you can see it. And we were very fortunate to stay in a hotel right near it. I mean, the closest hotel to visit. And so in our, in our backyard when we were eating, Outside of the courtyard, you could see all the, all the three pyramids of the Giza pyramid section there. It was just just remarkable. One of the greatest libraries of the ancient world was founded in the third century BC, and it is located in what Egyptian city? The city name is Alexandria. Sadly, we were not able to visit that. I wanted to go so bad. The other sad note. It contained back in those eras in the and before Christ. I don't have the exact date here, but it was actually burned to the ground by the emperor Julius Caesar. Sadly, um, and there was so much information and documents, including uh, works and research. Cleopatra was a great researcher and had lots of information. Some of the items were saved and were pulled out before the fire. And it was was taken, but uh, I was told by the historian and my guide that if it was existing today, we would have learned a lot more about ancient history. Uh, because a lot of the uh, papyrus uh, scrolls were destroyed and contained a lot of great information and a lot of scientific as well as research about history, et cetera, et cetera. So another, another an interesting, another trivia question. What invention was made by the ancient Egyptians around 1500 B.C.? And this is an interesting one, and, and it's used today by everyone, probably throughout the world. They actually invented scissors. There were two bronze blades, like scythe, S. S-C-Y-T-H-E-S, that made up as scissors to cut the papyrus paper. So again, that was a long time ago, and eventually, you know, it changed. There were, those were probably pretty big, uh, and they, you know, condensed now to scissors, but they were known as the inventors of scissors to cut paper and other, other, other items. thought that was interesting. According to experts, this Egyptian sculpture had an initial nose of about three foot wide when it was constructed in 2500 BC. We got uh, we got to see it. Of course, it's in and near uh, Giza, and it's, that is the Sphinx. The Sphinx had an initial nose, and uh, I don't, the guy didn't know when uh, it was uh, destroyed. I don't think it was Napoleon. You know, we, that recent movie says that Napoleon fired upon the, the pyramids, and etc. Uh, according to some of my experts, uh, locally even, said that that's not true. 
that's just a dramatic thing of Hollywood. But uh, the Sphinx was much smaller than I thought. Uh, when I when I up close and visited, it, it's not that. Uh, it's portrayed in photos and information is quite big, but it is not that big. And uh, you get to tour that. And another and very interesting, uh, of course, all these tours in, in Egypt and various other countries required admission, and you have to wait in a queue. Uh, luckily, uh, our tour pre-advanced all these tickets, so we didn't have to wait in the big long line to get the tickets to go into various tours throughout both countries. And that was a definite advantage. I could see that. Uh, if you ever go to these countries, including Europe, you buy them in advance now. You can go online. You can put them on your phone and have all these all these tickets to avoid. But the lines were tremendous. It, you know, even though there were not as many people there, it took time to, to get those particular lines. In addition, one thing that uh, Tina and I got to experience, of course, I've always loved the pyramids. When we went to the Pyramid of Giza, I, I quickly mentioned to our guide, or I befriended the first day, and he loved me because I was a big question person. Uh, I said, uh, when are we going to get to be able to get inside of a pyramid? He said, oh, yes, Mr. Gary, you're going to definitely get it. Today's the day. I said, really? So, yes, there was a, an opening. You can see that. You can get into this. However, it is if you're, claustroph- if you're claustrophobic, you have a difficult time. If you're definitely claustrophobic, it is only uh, you have to bend down and crawl and I'm telling you, it's probably over a thousand feet. I crawled and crawled and went up and down the, the inside of that pyramid, which is humongous. It is very big. And uh, you enter on a side, you have to climb up the, those tremendous stones, and it is precarious. There's no railing. Uh, you got to watch yourself. And I'm not the best person in balance. And luckily, some young people helped me. Uh, I made it up. Going down was the most difficult. Going up wasn't a bad, but coming back down out of that. But I made it up there, and uh, uh, you have to give them an additional money and tips because they monitor you. And uh, I I said, hey, I'm I'm here. I better do it. So I did it, and I went all the way almost, uh, almost into the tomb. However, the tomb requires you to go straight up and incline and... It is very precarious. It's very narrow, and uh, I'm telling you, several people uh, were slipping, and I had one uh, elderly, she wasn't elderly, but she was a little obese, and she panicked and was screaming and hollering, and luckily we all let her get out, and it's so narrow you have to squish yourself up against the wall for the person to get out. And she made it out, but she was like in trauma, uh, because we were way inside. Luckily, there's lights. I'm sure before there was no lighting. There's LED lighting. It's not hot lighting. And uh, uh, we made it up to there, but I couldn't make it. That, I couldn't go that extra 100 feet straight up. And that's where the, that's where the tomb, there's nothing in the tomb. It's already, already been taken out, but you get to go see the actual tomb area. Uh, so a young man decided, uh, who I befriended, he went up and took pictures and shared the photos with me so at least I can see what it looked like and you know, have the comment that I d- didn't get to make it up there. So it, it, was, it was interesting. What famous stone is used to decipher hieroglyphics? And the, the, answer, the answer is, interestingly enough, the Rosetta Stone. And the Rosetta Stone is is uh, was found in Egypt, of course, and it contains, of course, 
several languages to decipher hieroglyphics, which included, of course, ancient Greek language carved during the Hellenic period when it was uh, the Hellenic period of Alexander the Great, etc., took over the Egyptian area. Another interesting aspect, what culture started mummification? I mean, wow, uh, that is a fact. We can go on and on talking about that in Egypt. About 2,000 years before the Egyptians. So what culture started mummification? When, when our guide told us that, I said, wow, there was a, a group of people, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Chinkora, C-H-I-N-C-H-O-R-R-O, people of the country of Chile, used mummification to preserve their dead over 2,000 years before the Egyptians, which they did it around uh, 4,000 B.C. So we're talking 7,000 B.C. There was starting in mummification. What was the first capital of Egypt? I didn't know this. It's not Cairo. Memphis was the first capital of Egypt. The other thing, when reading the King James Bible, all you biblical uh, experts out there, what is the last word in the book of Genesis? Which I didn't know this, but our guide pointed this out, that how uh, Egypt was, you know, mentioned many times in the Old Testament and New Testament. But Egypt is the word at the last word. and It's where Joseph uh, uh, was buried in Egypt. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Ebertstown and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. The Best of Times Radio Hour will be right back on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Now back to the Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM at 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Aberston and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Today, as I've done for many years, I'm going to be sharing some interesting trivia with you. But this, this year, I've decided to share some trivia about our recent trip to the country of Egypt in Africa. Uh, it was fascinating for Tina and I to visit that country. I learned a lot of information from our guides, and they were remarkable. And so I want to share some of that with you because I was not aware of some of these particular facts and trivia items that I think you might find quite interesting. So we covered a few in our first segment. I'm going to go through a few right now as well. Um, the question was raised to me uh, when I was there. Did our ancient Egyptians brand their domestic animals with hieroglyphics to mark their own ownership? I said, really? Branding was back then? And yes, the answer is correct. They were considered one of the first uh, cultures to do so. So they branded their cattle and oxen, etc., to mark their ownership. While in Egypt, I visited, of course, many pyramids and tombs, but most interestingly, there was a tomb for crocodiles. Many of those were mummified, and you can view them today. I mean, they date back three or 4,000 before Christ. The Nile River had an abundance of crocodiles. Even today, the South Nile River, beyond the Aswan Dam, very da- still a very dangerous area. Uh, I didn't remember he told us the story about how all the crocodiles, but it was very dangerous for people to swim in uh, 
the Nile River. And, but they, they worshipped the crocodile in a way. It was like, uh, I hate to say this, uh, uh, when a, somebody was eaten or fell in, et cetera, to be eaten by a crocodile, it was something like an omen. So, but they mummified them and, and, and worshipped them in a way because some of their gods back then were denoted with uh, headdresses and heads of, of crocodiles. The other one, the other one that I felt found quite interesting in visiting tombs was a tombs that were devoted to the oxen. They were mummified because they were honored and placed in these humongous and large and heavy crypts. Hundreds were in one one of these uh, uh, tombs or pyramids with separate crypts, and they were humongous. And the mummified uh, oxen or bison, whatever they might be. I was told by the guy they were used primarily for years and years to build the pyramids and pull the stones uh, with the workers. The other thing I learned that that is still under question: who built the pyramids? Well, I thought there would be slaves or captives or prisoners, but according to uh, two of our guides, no, they they were paid Egyptians. That that was their full time profession of their of the of them their family members and it went down from generation to generation and supposedly they were paid quite well it was difficult work tedious work but the, the remarkable thing that I saw even today in looking at the period the craftsmanship was remarkable the size of those stones are humongous I still don't understand how they used it but because they never had the wheel invented back then when they were building them. Other than the Islamic and Muslim faith in the in, in Egypt, another major religion is found in Egypt. And the answer of this is Coptic Orthodox Christians. You might have heard of Greek Orthodox, uh, Russian Orthodox, uh, Armenian Orthodox, etc. But this is another part of Orthodoxy that dates back to around 300 A.D. Uh, they, today they coexist with Muslims somewhat peacefully. There's large cemeteries separated for Christians, and they are Christians, and Muslims. Uh, they date back, again, I said before even the Muslim and Islamic religion was formed, I think in 625 A.D. So there were churches Everywhere, even today, there's quite a few churches uh, within the, the country of Egypt. There are Christian churches and primarily Coptic Orthodox churches as well. In Cairo, you can visit this Coptic Orthodox church, which existed around uh, was was built around uh, three or four hundred A.D. I didn't remember the exact, but it's hanging where the Virgin Mary, Joseph. And baby Jesus lived for several years after fleeing Israel. We read that in the Bible. They fleed and went to Egypt. This is the exact location, and you can actually tour and go down under this church to see the dwellings where Jesus, Joseph, and the Virgin Mary stayed for several years. And I mentioned the Rosetta Stone was discovered on a town uh, along the Nile River, uh, Rashidi. The Nile River, speaking of that, is the longest river on earth, 4,124 miles. People have spent centuries searching for the source of the River Nile. Answer, nothing is confirmed about where its source. 
Some say it, it, it is formed and begins at the Rwanda in Africa, lower Africa, rainforest. So the Nile River uh, shapes human history. And why I say that, the mud from Ethiopia, which is a black silk, turning into a miraculous black mud, which was brought from Ethiopia and came into Egypt, causing a permanent settlements because they could grow crops and many crops. And it changed the world back then some 6,000 years ago because that area was such a desert, nothing could grow. But once the silk and mud came and it was banked upon the, side, the, the shores of the Nile River, permanent human settlements became formed. And, and it was the, one of the first recognizable national states over 6,000 years ago. So interesting, what percentage today of the Egyptian people who live along the Nile? When my guide told us that, I was amazing. 95% of the Egyptian populations live close to the River Nile. The Sahara Desert is large, large. It's a large, hot desert, one of the largest hot deserts on Earth. Very difficult to live there. So people might have lived there. The Bedouins and others might live there, but they... uh, most of the times they go back to the River Nile to try to get water. There are very few oases and very few waters throughout the area. Um, one one uh, statement made that the, the how long has the River Nile been flowing? According to researchers, over 30 million years. Until, until recently, uh, the, the, the River Nile was flooding all the time. I mean, it, it took... It took the initial first dam done by the British. I can't remember the year about that. But in 1970, they built this Aswan High Dam. It's one of the largest dams in the world. We got to tour it, remarkably humongous dam. And it impounds the, the river in southern Egypt to create one of the largest reservoirs. It's called Lake Nasser. And uh, this gave humans control of the, the, the Nile floods. Now they can control it. It generates a lot of electricity from the hydroelectric system. So, you know, a quite interesting concept. There's many more facts and trivia about the country that I could talk about. But, uh, again, it's a remarkable country. If you get the opportunity in the near future, uh, make plans to visit the country. Take a tour. It's very difficult. I will tell you, uh, I would not rent a car in that particular country. The drivers are hectic, just like they are in many large cities. I mean, the city of Cairo has probably over 30 million people, and there are a lot of people driving all shapes and sizes of cars. The other thing I noticed when I was in in downtown Cairo with our our little small bus that we had for a few people, I was impressed by our bus driver, but I noticed that there were very few. I didn't see one stoplight. I didn't see one stop sign. I didn't see any yield signs. It was like trial and error to get across intersections in certain places. It was like amazing. Getting up, they do have freeways. Uh, interesting, they do ride on, uh, I thought being under British rule, they would be on the left side, but they do ride on the right side. And and But it's always congested. I mean, it, we went sometimes late at night, and there was back crowds, and people were, I hate to say this, uh, 
unmarked lanes, so people had to judge where the lanes were. It was very wide, and many of them quite wide, and they're building more and more of these to get the bottlenecks out of the out of the city. Uh, it used to take hours and hours to go from one part of the uh, one part of the the city to Gizeh. Now there's a there's a freeway or uh, express lane, uh, but just getting on that is is a chore. Uh, once you get on it, you go you know almost nonstop. There are few exits from there until downtown. Uh, so it's a very fascinating country. Uh, I would say the the people were extremely nice. They were all very interested. And uh, tourists, tourism, as I mentioned earlier, is a is a is a number one uh, uh, money maker or a, of their economy. They expect, and you know, during this uh, recent uh, problems uh, with Israel and and all the the Middle East, it's it's curtailed people from coming to their country. I mean, we were there during the during that activity in October, and many of the tours afterwards were canceled. And uh, we 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 stuck it out and continued on. And luckily, our tour people said it was okay. Um, but you know, after that, there would be no tours for a while. And hopefully, they they have resumed uh, as of uh, as of December. That that many people can now visit that particular country. The food was remarkable, um, different. Uh, they of course, most of the hotels we stayed in had American style, English style food, but. Uh, 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 let's see. The, the food, I, I would say, uh, it's uh, unique in itself. I can't think of all the names and titles, but we did try. Gary tries everything. Some things I didn't like, other things I did like. The, the dates were just like, wow. If you ever had uh, dates from the Middle East and Egypt, they were just remarkable. Uh, the, the other thing... Uh, if you want to get local things like from America, uh, they're very expensive. They have to import them and ship them there. So people, you know, requesting certain items, including certain beer items, certain liquor items, and even certain food items were quite expensive. Their local beers, their local uh, liqueurs uh, were good, but but different different than what we find in the United States and probably in other countries. But it would but you know, once you're in the country you try with there. You don't want to, you know, try the the regular I would say their their Cokes uh, I think are bottled there. Bottled water is plentiful. The water, sadly to say, throughout their country, even along the River Nile, is not drinkable. Uh, they have purification systems. Our guide told us that he purifies his water in his house seven times. He goes through seven purification systems before they can drink it. And he says even then it's it's tolerable. That means it still has some bacteria that they cannot remove. And everywhere we went to, we were cautioned to drink bottled water only and don't even brush our teeth, et cetera. So, you know, it was pretty, pretty intense. Uh, I will say I accidentally uh, did something wrong, and, you know, I had a little, I had a little GI issue. After that, but uh, luckily it didn't didn't last a long time. But again, you got to be cautious. But there's you know, bottled water everywhere. Luckily, it's not that expensive. Uh, I'm sure the locals think it's expensive, but everybody uh, drinks bottled water and uses water to to lust their teeth. Of course, uh, I didn't. You know, the showers in the hotels. I think they're filtered, but uh, they caution you not to. Uh, drink the water, place it in your mouth if you're in the shower, and uh, 
like some of us do sometimes. But, uh, but you know, and likewise in the bathtub, et cetera, if you're taking a bath. But again, it was fascinating. You have to experience it. Uh, some people are nervous about it, but I, I, we weren't nervous. I mean, going along the Nile River was some experience that uh, Tina and I had always thought about. It's beautiful. We got to ride in a sail. Uh, I've got what their sailboats are called, but it's a one sail boat. It's remarkable. It, and the winds the day we went were, were were very fast, and so th- this thing was clipping down the road pretty quickly. But we got to see a lot of interesting sights and sounds. I can go on and on uh, about our trip, but uh, uh, I, I I hope you fathom it. Uh, again, uh, we took probably over a thousand photos just in Egypt, and it, it was hopefully going to help us remember all of our our trip there. Uh, which was going to bring back memories we showed to our family members, and they were all at all. When you get to see up close and personal those particular items. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. And now, we're my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Ebert's Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. The Best of Times Radio Hour will be right back on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. And now back to the Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebert, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Today I'm giving you some trivia and information about two countries. First of all, I discussed Egypt, and now I'm going to discuss Jordan. And why I'm doing that is because Tina and I had the privilege of going to these two countries, first time ever, uh, in October of this year. And I thought, uh, learning from my guides that I visited that took us all around, that gave us some remarkable trivia and remarkable facts about their countries that I was not aware of, and hopefully this will help educate you and you can share your knowledge with your family and friends. Uh, One thing that one of our guides told us, first of all, when we went to the the country of Jordan, is there are over 100,000 archaeological sites in Jordan. It's more and more are discovered each and every day. There are full-time professions and full-time people doing excavations each and every day. We visited the most sought-out visit when you go to Jordan is Petra, and it's in, in Greek that means rock. But it's uh, but according to my guide, only 15% of Petra has been explored. Uh, it's a remarkable place that we went. Uh, famous place. We, we spent an entire day there. It's one of the seven wonders of the current world, established over 10,000 years ago by nomadic Arab tribe, tribe. excuse me. It's a vast area. I mean, I'm talking humongous. The famous rock face is known as the Treasury, and it, it's featured, of course, in many movies, including the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, you know, Choose wisely, that was the one there. However, it doesn't have a backdrop. People think it has a big back room. No, it doesn't. Uh, you go right up to it. It's, it's, uh, it was uh, a tomb of sort of a, of a, a former person that died there. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's, it is definitely a remarkable place. Um, the other thing I found that I didn't, I'd thought about it, but the lowest point on the entire planet is located in Jordan. 
And they, but everywhere you go around Jordan, there's mountain and large hills. I mean, we're talking good-sized mountains. But it's located the Dead Sea. It's the lowest point on Earth. I think it's over um, over a thousand. Uh, well, it's thirteen hundred feet below sea level. And but the lake bed that means it's over a thousand feet more below. So it's twenty three hundred feet below sea level at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the Dead Sea, which they. It's deemed a lake, though it, they call it a sea. Uh, for reference, the Death Valley in the U.S. is only 282 feet below sea level. And as I mentioned, it's, it's actually a lake rather than a sea. It was very difficult to swim in the, in the Dead Sea. Why? Because the water has one of the most highest salt uh, in, uh, in the world. I mean, I can't remember the percentage, but it is remarkably salty. Very difficult to swim because you're so buoyant. You float like a cork. And, uh, it, you know, it is, uh, you, you can't sink. Uh, it's ten times more salty than a regular sea or ocean. Uh, you can't sink, as I said, but you got to be very careful. You can't get the salt in your eyes or if you have any sores or, or cuts or abrasions, it will be as quite painful. And the Dead Sea is uh, known as one of the first health resorts in the world, and it is extremely popular for that. I mean, people go there each and every year to all the various hotels and health resorts. They're, they're everywhere, all around, on, on both the Israeli side. By the way, it's on the Israeli side as well as on the Jordanian side. So, again, it's, it's uh, there. People get in the water to get the salt effect, and then they get out of the water and put the mud that's on the shoreline, good for your skin, can cure muscle aches, et cetera. I mean, Tina definitely did that as well. Many of the people down there, I did a little bit of it, but I don't want to cover myself into stuff. Uh, but it was pretty remarkable. Almost everything is date because it's dead along the Dead Sea because nothing can survive the salt content. There's only some rare bacteria that can survive. According to my guide, it was uh, formed over 3 million years ago. And amazing, 3 million. The other thing, of course, the Dead Sea has uh, the, the salt and the mud, et cetera, is used in people, uh, ladies and gentlemen, getting various sauna treatments and mud treatments from that area. But it's also the major source of agricultural potassium worldwide. They get the most potassium for this particular seabed area, and it's shipped all over the world. Um, it was actually, sea, Dead Sea was mentioned uh, by the first Abraham mentioned it in the, in the Bible. Uh, even the uh, ancient Egyptians used the Dead Sea mud to preserve their mummies. The, and it's called an active component known currently, they figured it out, is vlandium morphines. Uh, so the other thing I thought uh, to tell you more about is uh, the oldest statues in the world have been found in Jordan. What, why do I say that? Well, my guide say this is, uh, and I didn't look this up, he said it was the Neolithic times that was way before the pyramids, Stonehenge, and these statues that were found several years ago are made of plaster and are pretty good, but they date back thousands and thousands of years before. I didn't, I didn't uh, jot down the year 
the estimated years. The other thing I didn't know about, we've all learned about Lawrence of Arabia, but I didn't know that he helped liberate Jordan as he convinced the Arabs to to help beat the Ottomans who were over the area of Egypt and other places during World War One, and which gained their independence after the war was won in World War One and took it away from the Ottoman Empire and made Jordan and Egypt all independent to me. The other thing I thought I was asking my guide this, and he said, unlike other Middle East countries, there is no oil and no gas wells in the country of Jordan. Interesting. The other thing that I think that a lot of people have misnomers, because they've been to Israel and they've been to the River Jordan there, and a lot of people say that uh, Jesus was baptized there, but actually Jesus was not baptized in the River Jordan in Israel. He was baptized in the River Jordan on the Jordanian side. It's a very unique location, and luckily we have the opportunity to visit this site. Uh, it's also a, a Christian site, amazing, and there is a large Greek Orthodox cathedral located just a few miles few away. Uh, so again, we were fortunate enough to visit that particular place as well. Uh, there's so many other particular items that uh, I would love to discuss about the city, but again, it's a remarkable country. Uh, I, I we we toured a lot. It has it it has both uh, Roman influence. It has both Greek influence. There's many places throughout the area that uh, it, it's totally amazing that uh, that the sites that you can visit. We spent like five days touring. And there was so much to do, both Christian sites as well as Muslim sites, as well as ancient Roman sites, as well as ancient Greek Greek sites. So again, it was fascinating uh, that. But Petra, I was expecting to just be a small area, uh, but it is a long walk. When we went there, the guide said, "Mr. Gary, it's three and a half mile walk to the entrance to the treasury." And so luckily, they have horses that you can take. There's no cars. There's no other transportation, but you can take a donkey a donkey or a horse. I took the horse, a uh, much pleasant drive than the donkey, and made it all the way there and uh, made it all the way back. So again, I hope this trivia has been beneficial and you've learned some new things about both countries of Egypt and Jordan. Hopefully in the near future, you might visit either one of those two countries. They're fascinating. We look forward to going back, possibly in a few years, but it was totally remarkable. Thank you again for listening to our show. I want to wish best wishes to everyone, you and your family, for a happy new year. Uh, don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times in one of our 200 distribution locations. Our January February issue comes out January the 2nd. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. Best wishes again to you and your family for a happy new year. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. <laughs>